Hello, everybody. It's Jeremy from the future here. We had some sort of problem recording this episode where I, in particular, sound like I am talking through a tin can on the other side of the room that has been pointed at a microphone. I have no idea what happened there. We recorded an episode of It's a Gundam right after this that seems to sound completely fine. Didn't show up on the mic check or anything, so I'm really baffled and apologize if you find the audio objectionable. It should be better by next week, and I'm real sorry about that. I hope you enjoy the episode anyway, because I think this was one of the better ones we've done. It's Thursday, November 4th, 2021, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 288. The game doesn't want your advanced logic. Runtime for this episode is 50 minutes. Hello and welcome to Last Time on Video Games. The podcast that thinks turnabout is fair play. My name is Jeremy. I found that pun objectionable. I'm Tyler. <laughs> My name is Zach. See, the pun only works in Japanese, so. Does it? Well, I, in Japan, it's called turnabout trial. Oh, okay. But all the cases are turnabout yeah, whatever, so. Because they just translated that. Okay. Okay, so that explains why they're all turnabout something or other. Mm-hmm. I'd wondered about that. I mean, it's also accurate to the whiplash you experience while playing it, so. We played Ace Attorney this week, unless you're Zach, and then you got extra credit good boy points for the first time in your life. (laughs) I've beaten other games, usually before we recorded them. I beat Doom. Yeah, you didn't go play Doom 2 and Doom 3 before we (laughs) recorded, though. Spoilers, Ace Attorney is a lot of fun. (laughs) But before that, the ancient ritual requires that we talk about ourselves for a while. So, Zach, what have you been playing besides Ace Attorney? I've been playing a lot of League of Legends. Me and Kevin got together for a couple of games of 40k since we last recorded this podcast. Other than that, like I said, a lot of League of Legends and a bit of the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. Just a bit. Uh, is that it? I'm fine if that's it. It seems like we might go for a while on the assignment, but I'm used to you going for like... Usually I spend a day editing what you've been playing when I edit this podcast. I, I know. Like I, I'm sitting here thinking about I guess I did play all of the Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 game because I saw a thing on that new Back 4 Blood, and I was like, oh, I could go for a Left 4 Dead. So I booted that up and, and played all of the stages on there on my own. It's, it's a lot more fun when you're playing it with people, but it's not bad on your own. Like, yeah. That is kind of the good thing about that game is that it's always been pretty good on its own, but it's much better when you're playing it with people. I was going to say that I feel that way about Payday, but I think Payday is actually much worse on your own than Left 4 Dead is. Well, because uh, in Left 4 Dead, you don't have to worry about moving a lot of stuff like you do in Payday. So you're not like beholden to I have to move 10 bags from across the map. And the AI can carry them now, but it's not nearly as good as having, a, you know, smart teammates or you need to fix the drill that's in the other room and like if you just had other people you would already be someone in that room yeah that's fair left for dead doesn't have any of that extra stuff on it so like while you are still required to hit all the buttons it's not to the same degree as payday is so i was pulling up my massive list of what i've been playing recently because oh boy there's been a lot yeah I, oh. i'm just thinking about it and i'm really excited for tomorrow as of recording this but Super Robot Wars coming out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Good thing I watched that movie. So yeah, Tyler, if you're going to carry this segment, what have you been playing? I feel weird talking about the stuff I've been playing for a long time because I don't feel like I usually have terribly interesting stories. I've been like, I played the game. It was fun. <laughs> um, speaking of games I've been playing, I have not been playing any more ActRaiser, uh, which is about a, what I expected. I'll probably pick it back up at some point. What weirdly took its spot was actually Bravely Default again. And I made, like, a ton of progress in that game. I think I'm, like, halfway to three-quarters of the way through now. Has the evil fairy been evil yet? Spoilers! Um, <laughs> it's a good fairy in this one. Yes, spoilers for Bravely Default 1. And and, and Bravely uh, Second. Kay. There's another evil fairy in Bravely Second. Well, you accidentally called it because, spoilers, the evil fairy is actually a good fairy in this game. I mean, so. look, that's the obvious twist to do. <laughs> Did you unlock any sweet jobs? None that are particularly awesome yet. 
I haven't found any really good synergies like I did in the first one. And like, I don't know. The overall Bravely Default 2, I like the characters more, but also I like the game less. So I'm not sure what's going on there. That's rough. Yeah. I was a little afraid that that is something that would happen to this franchise because the combat system is so innovative. But you either are going to find a bunch of stuff to do with that or you're not. And I really thought not would be the case, to be honest. Like, there are some things, but it's a lot harder to make broken combos. And, like, the game seems to expect that I have broken combos. I am also playing on hard, though, so that might be part of it. I'm currently bashing my head against a boss and considering turning the difficulty down just so that I can, like, make progress and finally finish off the game. But also, it, in order to beat this game, you have to beat it, like, six times. It is a bravely default game. <sighs> yep. That just sounds like a pain in the ass. You don't play the entire game over. You play the final fight, you get the credits, and then if you start over, you start from the final fight again, and you can make the fight go differently, and you just do that several times. So, it's less of a pain in the ass than it sounds, because it's actually, like, just five different boss fights in a row. I'm glad I picked it up. I don't know that I can recommend it, is what I will say about that. Well, it's on my list of games I want for Christmas, because I'm not going to buy them for myself. That's right. And someone yeah. needs to buy me something for Christmas. <laughs> I think that is an excellent spot to put that in specifically. <laughs> what the heck else have I been playing? I played a bunch of Fall Guys for like a week for some reason. I mean, that seems like the right amount of time. They added a lot more, I guess, slightly. Okay, so they they've been doing a very seasonal thing, is my understanding, where they'll rotate in games on a seasonal basis to keep it fresh, but still give you plenty of time to master I'm... them. Yeah, I mean, for a game like that, that makes sense. What is weird is that they have tweaked a lot of the games that were just random bullshit at first, which I'm totally... Like, I feel like I am the perfect target demographic for Fall Guys, except for the fact that I'm not. <laughs> that makes, You're like, too old? Yeah, maybe that. That might be the only... Like, I enjoy the random bullshit component of it, but I also really enjoy the skill-based games because I tend to do better at those. It's in a tricky spot where the best thing for Fall Guys is for it to feel incredibly random while not being so. Yes, and I have noticed, um, because they have a couple games in rotation that were in the first season, which is mostly what I played, they tweaked the games a little bit to be a little bit, not a ton more, but a little bit more skill-based overall. So if you were actually good at it and put in some practice, you're slightly more likely now to actually come out on top more regularly. Well, I mean, that makes sense, because if it's purely random, you're going to have a lot of people just drop off because it's like, what's the point? I, I, if I... Doesn't matter how good I am at this, the game is just going to dump me off anyway, because it's all random. Yeah. Very few of the Fall Guys games seemed random to me. Like, they had a lot of random elements, but it also, both playing it a bit myself and watching other people play it, seemed like if you were good, you genuinely did get through 90% of the time. And when you didn't, it was usually because something weird happened, and it was randomness that another player caused. Not randomness that a game caused. There's a little bit, like, uh, one of the first stage games is... Uh... I forget what the actual name of the game is called, both in this and also in MXC, because it's just an MXC game, is a bunch of doors, and you don't know which ones are real and which yeah. ones are fake. They added some, like, moving targets in front of those that knock you back if you hit them, and, like, you have to time that with jumping through the doors now, and that makes it a little bit more skill-based. It's not a ton, but a little bit. Mostly the ones that are random are things that rely on having a team, and whether or not you can depend on your team is entirely arbitrary. Like, the answer is no. Yeah, yeah, the answer is no. But that's a problem with the human condition, not a problem with game design. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> like, I lost this because I got a team soccer game and my team sucked. Yes, that sucks, but that's not because soccer is a bad game. <laughs> that's a good point. But it is a little bit random in that you have no control over the behavior of the other humans you act with. Well, that's why you go on a party. Yep. That is also just life. Also, you're not guaranteed to be on a team with your party. I oh, are you that. not anymore? No. You used to be. Well, maybe you are. I don't know. I'm trying to remember this. Because I played this with Ed for a while, and I don't remember. I feel like we ended up on opposite teams sometimes. But I feel like it's in their best interest to do that just to stop match fixing. Yeah. I mean, in some games that are like that, like PUBG, you're obviously with your teammates, but it's much more difficult to join a to, to set up a match fix. I mean, granted, there have been instances of doing that, but... What else have you been playing, Tyler? So I actually finished two games since the last time we played. I finished off Hollow Knight with a 97% completion out of 112. Um, <laughs> I feel like these people don't understand percentages. It was 100, and then they added a bunch of free DLC, which made the total completion percentage go up. So <laughs> Okay. Um, and that is just how they chose to do it, rather than... I did not feel compelled to 100% it because there were a couple things that would have taken me, like, hours and hours to do. 
I did not complete like any of the uh, I forget what they call it, like God Home DLC, which is where you literally ascend and become a dark god of the bug world. I instead got the best ending you can get without any of the DLC. Yeah, I don't know, would recommend Hollow Knight. That's what I have to say about that. Hollow Knight's great. I also finished off Hades, finally, after a, about 85 hours, I think, is what I put into it. I thought you were already had already beaten that game. Oh, I mean, I yeah, the problem is there's, like, nearly an endless list of goals, and I hit all the goals that mattered to me. Yeah. What so. is beating a game? Yeah, what... A miserable pile of wasted time. <laughs> and what is beating Hades specifically, a procedurally generated roguelike? It's hard to say. I got the last plot important cutscene. So, that is where I decided to call it. Also, would recommend Hades. Hades is a blast. I should play that. I bet I would like it. You would probably like it, especially if you like any of the other, uh, I'm trying to remember the name, Supergiant games. I don't think I've actually played any, but they all sound like games I would like. Oh. I'm, like, surprised by this. They're all good. I'm, like, trying to decide whether or not I would recommend Bastion now that it's been, like, 10 or 12 or 15. I don't even know how long uh, ago Bastion came out. It was a great game at the time. I don't know that it aged super well. But do play Hades. Hades is great. Also, it's, like, $30 at any given point or, like, $5 on sale. And I think I already spent those dollars. No, oh, well, see, there you go. So those are the two that I decided to officially call done, and of course, because apparently I need like five or six things to be played at any time, I'm like 80-ish percent of the way through Metroid Dread. That's the other game on my Christmas list, so how is it? Because that one's one that if I don't get for Christmas, I will probably end up picking up, depending on what you say about it. So, okay, my, my recommendation on this is a little weird, because I convinced J James to buy it, and he hates it. But he also hates difficulty, so <laughs> <laughs> he hates challenge. <laughs> I, I am okay with challenge. Um, What's the point of games, then? I... Maya is very funny, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> I would not call Phoenix Wright hard, for example. Um, well, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so it's different types of challenge. Um, he does not like platforming challenges, and there's a little bit of that. I think Metroid Dread is the best Metroid game. Okay. There, one other person whose opinion I've heard on it was also very positive, but they literally played Super Metroid for the first time two days before Metroid Dread came out to get into the mood, and I was a little worried it was just the honeymoon phase of Super Metroid. I like it better than Super Metroid in most cases. Yeah, yeah if it's comparable, then it's worth playing. I think it is comparable. The, my one complaint with it is that it is a little too linear, especially having just come off of Hollow Knight. But the movement mechanics feel incredible. Like, it just is so fluid. I like can't... Mega Man X good? I would argue maybe even slightly better than Mega Man X. You okay. also get an air dash at some point, which is like a weird thing in a Metroid game, but pretty good. It's weird, but it's also weird that there hasn't been a Metroid game with one yet. That's also a good point, yeah. Almost, it is contender for best Metroidvania for me. I don't, I okay. don't think it is because I again just played Hollow Knight, and I think I do like Hollow Knight a little bit better. It's also a little bit meatier of a game. Also, Dread is I think fifteen-ish hours so far, which is pretty long for a Metroid specifically. So, do highly recommend. I've been having a blast with it. Okay, I will buy that if I don't get it for Christmas. Then. That is fair. Trying to think what else. Um, also, I've been playing a bunch of Spelunky, too. I've, I've kind of hit, like, a I suck at that game block, which is weird because it's, like, a like fairly strategic. Because you don't suck at Spelunky? Yeah, I don't suck at Spelunky. Well, actually, I do suck at Spelunky, which is the problem. But, it, like, it's a fairly, like, Twitch reaction-based platformer that also has a fair amount of, like, strategic planning and your route going into it, which seems like a combination made specifically for me, and I am really bad at Spelunky. And I am currently at a point where I can consistently get to an area, and then I just die. So, that is the Spelunky experience. Um, I'm having fun with it, though. Um, I also picked up Rogue Legacy 2, which, if you liked Rogue Legacy, Rogue Legacy 2 is the same game, but with more mechanics. I'm not sure it's better, but it has more mechanics. And the very last thing I've been playing is uh, episode four of The Lawn Dark came out recently. So it, it's The Lawn Dark. It, <laughs> at, the, at this point, if you have not tried it. Um, That's the one where Alderaan gets destroyed? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Thousands of voices, etc. I haven't gotten super far into it. They like really want to push the story of the story mode. And I'm not sure how I feel about that in this game about trying to not starve to death and fight off wolves. 
the contrivance that they have is that you are being held a prisoner and they are sending you out to do a thing that none of them want to do because there are wolves. Um, <laughs> so you go out and do the thing and then I guess return at some point, but like I found a bunch of equipment and stuff, so I don't why go back. Yeah, I don't really know what the incentive is. It is reminding me that I really like the Lawn Dark, and that was a game that I thought I was never going to play again until they announced episode four, and then they did announce that thing, which I didn't think was ever going to happen. I think, finally, I have exhausted the list. Oh, also, I came up with a new dumb challenge in Smash for myself, which is, again, so a lot of people are like, I'm at 10 million GSP, and I'm like, bitch, please, like, three quarters of my characters are 10 million, so I decided to get every single character up to 10 million GSP in Smash. How is Sora? I should play him. Except for Sora, I have not actually played (laughs) Sora yet. Um, I'm saving him as a special treat for the end because he's. I played against a lot of Soras. Um, he seems like a lot of fun. He's like a really good mid-range character, which is weird because he has the Keyblade, Keyblade which is a disjoint hitbox. Um, he's really good at like poking people so he can just throw out attacks, kind of like Marth or something, um, and play a keep-away game with that. But also he has all of his spells, which allow him to poke people from a distance. He's a weird character archetype like i'm not sure who i would compare him to arguably that's good for your 96th character (laughs) yeah that is fair like if anything i feel like he plays more like a uh like a zone character which is weird considering he has you know a sword to smack you in the face with but i don't know i haven't played any sora i've just played against sora a lot and i'm like man i'm gonna have a lot of fun playing him whenever i get to the bottom of my list so that is what i've been playing what have you been up to jeremy i continue to play final fantasy 14 Kevin's done with it, and so he's like, Jeremy, finish it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like halfway done. How, how does one become done with Final There's Fantasy? There's a main story quest. Yeah, he's out oh, okay. He's consumed all of the, calling it mandatory content, even seems throughout. All of the highly encouraged content. He spent money. I've also spent money. I, I am still not to the point where I would have had to yet, technically speaking. But After how many hours? I that's why I said technically, because there's definitely some stuff I've been doing with the market board, which you do have to pay to get access to. And there's some stuff I did that technically you could do without paying, but I would not have done without paying. That's um, fair. I'm not dumb enough to type slash play it in an MMO, Tyler. I value my sanity. It's been months of real time. Uh, but also, I'm kind of insane in how I play it. So Okay, how do you define insane in this context? I just do a lot of content that's not doesn't reward you anymore. That used to reward you, but I'm like, it's content. I want to go see that. And that is part of my problem with ever picking it up, I think, is that I would definitely do all of that. I mean, (laughs) I I see that as a feature, not a bug. It barely rewards you as it stands. I've also been playing a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! Switch game, which I can never remember the name of. I think it's Legacy of the Duelist Link Evolution. It definitely contains the word Legacy. Legacy of the Duelist is a previous Yu-Gi-Oh! game. And I think this one is also called Legacy of the Duelist. But my brain's like, you're wrong, Jeremy. That one was that one before. What kind of deck are you running? Uh, Mostly I run an Endymion deck, but I've also got a Royal Chalice deck and a Dragon Maid deck for when I want to pretend the AI can beat me. And an Orcist deck, a Dark Magician deck, a Blue Eyes deck a Red Eyes deck, a deck that is uh, conditioned for the format of the last time I played physical Yu-Gi-Oh! in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to switch it up because the AI is very bad in that game if you figure out how to play Yu-Gi-Oh!, which I learned. That is also what I learned while playing Duel Links, is that their AI was really bad and that any halfway competent deck would just smush them. Yeah. I feel like it's worse in this game because they programmed the AI to just make plays, which is probably the best way to make the ai but sometimes they'll just fuse their fusion monster and another monster into the same fusion monster they already had because that's <laughs> technically forwarding the game state but is in no way a good use of your cards that's really good <laughs> yeah well look that gives you a fusion monster in the graveyard so you can use a uh... resurrection on it see it's it's technically advancing the game state it could be good i'm playing a lot of that i even watched an episode of the Yu-Gi-Oh anime I got so into it. Wow. Yeah. that That's a very weird at- time of anime because there are some sh- shots are like, oh, they spent money on this. It looks good. Right next to ones that are like, ah, oh, this looks like it was animated 6,000 years ago by a dead man. Are you talking <laughs> about the original Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. anime? Yeah. Part of me is thinking about watching card games on motorcycles or GX. I've always wanted to watch GX. It's just that the first two seasons of GX are high school before everyone's getting possessed and 
you get to that final before episode. Before it turns into a Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. <laughs> a Yu-Gi-Oh! series. Before you get to that final episode where Yugi sends Jaden back in time to duel a young Yugi uh, so he can remember duel monsters is fun because he'd forgotten because of all the high stakes duels he'd had being possessed by a duel monster that was his childhood friend? Question mark. I haven't watched GX. I don't know how Jaden Yugi works. <laughs> I know it's something like that, that a duel monster had a crush on him and then possessed him. That's why he has heteochromia. Oh, really? At uh, the end of the game, at, at yeah. the end of things. He doesn't, yeah. at the beginning doesn't of the series. All I know about GX is slap down a face down. Is and... that, of course. <laughs> well, I would watch it subbed. I'm not a barbarian. They never dubbed the last season, the one I am most interested in. Because card games on motorcycles came out. And they're like, yeah, kids care way more about motorcycles than school. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, accurate question mark? Would you? Okay, Tyler, would you rather play a card game at school or on a motorcycle? On a motorcycle. Yeah, but yeah that's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even ride, but I would totally play a card game on a motorcycle. Exactly. Um, I think there are three... Like, I was seeing stats on all the Yu-Gi-Oh! protagonists, and he has the highest win rate, but I think he has, like, four DNFs because he crashes on his motorcycle. <laughs> while dueling. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always a thing that I wondered about. Does Yugi have the lowest win rate? He does, of any protagonist. No, well, this person used stats I don't like, but he included off-screen duels, and one of the protagonists in one of the later series loses 24 times in a row off-screen, and so his win rate was lower than Yugi's. But whether or not that should arguably count. Yeah. That's kind of all the video games I've been playing. I watched Free Guy, which I guess is video game related. What, what is that? Oh, I was hoping you'd ask because I just came up with a delightful way to, to answer. <laughs> Imagine Gundam Build Fighters with no Gundams, but Sarah is Ryan Reynolds. Okay. <laughs> I, the last movie I saw, I saw Nobody, which is like a uh, John Wick type of action movie. And then the other one, damn, what was that one called? It was like a rewind thing where the guy was, it was like a Groundhog Day with murder. Like the guy keeps reliving the same day. Happy Death Day? It's not Happy Death Day. Doesn't it sounds like they ripped off Happy Death Day. Except for this one dude, like the whole point is he has to go save his girlfriend before she gets killed. And like there's all these assassin wild assassins trying to kill him. And he keeps dying at noon at the beginning of the series. Or at the beginning of the movie. I just cannot remember what it's called. I think the most recent movie I watched was the new or the uh, Candyman remake. Which uh pretty good. That's all I have to say about it. Pretty yeah. good. <laughs> this movie had Alex Trebek in it, which seems what? very weird to me. <laughs> yeah, I get. Yeah. What was Alex Trebek famous for before Jeopardy? I mean, he, he appears as a Jeopardy host. There is a Jeopardy question in a montage about Ryan Reynolds in this movie. In a movie where Ryan Reynolds plays a character. Yes. Uh, well, he, he plays an AI that becomes sentient in a video. Okay. Game. Oh, okay. Which is why he's Sarah. Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. The plot was. Better and worse than Build Divers. Okay, uh, let's go back a step. Was the movie worth watching, period? Oh, no. Okay. But it was much better than I thought it was going to be. But you didn't think it was going to be no. very good to start with. No. It had more plot than I expected, and that was exciting. So yeah, that's all I've been playing besides Ace Attorney. Yeah, I've been playing a lot of Ace Attorney, I guess. That was the other thing I've been playing, is the assignment. Yes. I didn't play too much of this game. No. 300%, <laughs> some would say. <laughs> I don't I was, know what you're talking about. I was convinced you were going to hate this, too, and uh, I'm glad to be wrong. So. I, I figured he would either play the first case and hate it or play more than that and love it. That is actually kind of what happened. I played the first case and was like, I am bored. Put it down and was like, all right, I'm not going to do anything. But then I got bored sitting around. I was like, I can go back and play another case because well, I might as well try since I've got the time right now and I might as well try to do pretend like I actually participate on last time a lot of the time. So And the first case is basically a tutorial anyway, I feel. Well, but, that was the other reason why I was like, well, that first case is basically a tutorial, so I can at least try the case that comes after it. I like would almost even cut that from the game. I think a tutorial is important, especially if you haven't played a game like this. And since you're a dumb American, you probably haven't. And the later games actually do more or less cut it away, because you don't need to part do the tutorials in the later games. Yeah. So Ace Attorney is a visual novel, at least according to its creators, and they should know, right? I feel like it's more an adventure game in the style of Secret of Monkey Island that focuses on a murder mystery that's just very refined and has taken away most of the chafe from those sort of games. Ah, I, I fall kind of more on the, I think it's just a visual novel with puzzles side of things. 
Well, all of the game mechanics are essentially choosing which funny-shaped key fits in this lock. The lock is just a contradiction in testimony. Well, except when you're wandering around trying to find the funny-shaped keys. Yeah. So, Ace Attorney is basically divided into two major segments, which are investigation and court drama. <laughs> uh, the game is smart enough to start you in the court drama because that's the good part. Even though, typically, you have to investigate first to get the information that will help you in court. And then the game is basically just listening to witness testimony, looking for contradictions with your list of evidence. They do actually make you look at the evidence sometimes and not just tell it to you. Although that's true the more into the game you get. It actually has a very nice difficulty curve where the early cases basically solve themselves for you. But the further in you get, the more you have to notice details that the game does not necessarily draw attention to. Okay, so I played this with Alex watching pretty much the entire time. Um, and I guess as a mildly amusing aside, Alex doesn't like this game because it gives her anxiety because she's like, I know exactly what, like, how are these, why is the judge so stupid? I hate Edgeworth. He's an asshole. Edgeworth uh, is great. Actually, she hates Von Karma. He's an asshole. <laughs> That's accurate. Um, so I also played the first, I guess, just the first case. I was going to call the, say, the first day of the game. Um, but the first case. Uh, with a group of people, and we did full voice acting for everyone, which was also hilarious. So that does sound like a fun time. It was great. Um, and then Dan got too drunk to continue, so <laughs> we uh, instead talked about which members of the Greek pantheon we would use a staff of a tech company. Uh, Vulcan, 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 uh, Vulcan. Somehow, Vulcan. he did not appear on anyone's list. So, I know, it seems obvious in retrospect, but yeah, anyway, um... There, it was something about the fact that this game gave Alex anxiety relating to the difficulty curve. Oh, yeah. She uh, got way less anxious about it as the difficulty increased because of those smaller details being much more important. Um, so you actually had to think about the things as opposed to being like, why can't you idiots see this? <laughs> well, because there's a lot of the part, a lot of stuff in there is a situation where the game wants a specific object. But a lot of them seem a, like they would fit. Well, on a specific statement, because there's a lot of times... I mean, the first game, if I remember right, isn't quite as bad. Owning up to it, I've actually played almost all three of the trilogy. I'm, I'm on the last case of the third game. But, like, there are instances where the game wants a very specific item given to it at a specific point, when instead it's like, I've got six things in my inventory that contradict statement one. But you want this one thing that contradicts statement four. Yeah, it's like, what is the most contradictory is what they want. Maybe. It's hard to say. Before we get too into specifics, which I think we should, I think the genius of this game is that it is a fair play murder mystery on top of a puzzle game. So you get what's good about both of them working together, where you can figure out what's going on and you are rewarded for doing so with the dopamine of presenting the correct thing and solving the puzzle. That is also the game's biggest problem, though, is that because it's a puzzle game, if you don't have that aha moment, if your brain doesn't see the contradiction or is just isn't wired to put two and two together, you get pretty hard stuck. I usually found myself not not in a case of not seeing the contradiction. There were a couple of times, but usually it's a situation where it's like I see multiple contradictions here, but I don't know which one you want. Yeah, that happened a couple times, um, especially while we were playing with a group. Like, Dan kept seeing things and being like, well, obviously this piece of evidence contradicts statement one. But like you said, what they really want is statement four. So the investigation is incredibly linear. You can examine things. You kind of get a, mic uh, a magnifying glass. You can put it over stuff for detail. A lot of times there will be small clues in that. And occasionally you need to do that to find pieces of evidence. But for the most part, you just talk with people and present them things you found. It's got very much that, oh, the bridge is out. Go talk to my nephew and then it'll be fixed. Problem that JRPGs have, which in some ways is good because it limits the number of things you could be doing. And it's pretty good at focusing your attention on where you need to be. But it can make it very difficult to figure out what to do next, especially when they seed something to do later. But you can't do it because Detective Gunshu isn't here right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it like that stuff gets really bad in later games. But the first game, if I remember right, wasn't too bad about that. Uh, there is one instance in the fourth case of the first game where you have to present somebody your attorney's badge, but the game has kind of trained you to the point where you never show anybody that because it is never, it has literally never done anything. Yeah, because everyone's just like, I know you're an attorney, Phoenix, go away. <laughs> but like, other than that. I honestly, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? 
these investigations are kind of boring. I need to get the information and I need I want to get to the trial. So I just opened up a walkthrough and played the played them with a walkthrough open for those parts. Which might actually be the optimal way to play this game, honestly. But I, I'm very torn on it because I feel like I think part of it, I also occasionally had to consult a walkthrough for this game, but the walkthrough I was reading had story stuff in it. And I was almost like, man, would just reading this walkthrough be better, like use of my time and more entertaining than actually playing this game? Because it was pretty good about at this point, Edgeworth reveals this about his backstory and all that. The walkthrough that I found that I was actually using was specifically a spoiler free walkthrough. So it doesn't actually tell you anything that's going on. It basically is just like do this at, in this sta- order. at, at evidence or at, at statement for and then it'll give you like the first line of the statement. Present this. I will say and stuff, I, which I did use it a couple of times on the trial because I did fail out of a couple of them. I failed out of one of them and was like, "This is really annoying." To go back through the entire span of time. We'll circle back to that, but I want to finish up stuff about the investigations first. Did you have something? No, I was going to say I think the thing that saves the investigations is interacting with the characters and like discovering stuff about them dynamically. The game is very good about making that relevant to the case. It's very cleverly written. I mean, this is coming from the guy who's like, oh, story in games is always bullshit. But and, like, weirdly, the stories in these games are kind of but, like, the individual details about characters are not. Very little of the information that you get from characters isn't relevant in some way. And I don't know if I think that's true about the first game, because I think they actually do a really good character story with Phoenix and Edgeworth about their past relationship. And I think the pacing on it's actually really good, where Edgeworth isn't in the first case. He's just the jerk in the second case who is trying to shoot you down. But then in the third case, you see him starting to come around. And then in the fourth case, you have to defend him and you learn all this stuff about why he's a jerk. I really do like the way they did that because a lot of the stuff between Phoenix and Edgeworth in those first couple of cases, actually, even in a lot of the third of the fourth one, there's not a lot of explicit talk between the two of them. He's just the bad guy. But you can, like Jeremy said, you can see it in the in there, like how Edgeworth is starting to come around. Well, it totally tracks with Edgeworth's character. Like I said, I don't know that the story is great. The characters are really fun. Yeah, but, but, but story is characters. Yeah, I've literally plot, said that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think but, plot and characters are the same thing. Sh- sure, but I think story is plot plus characters. That's fair. I think the plot's terrible. Yeah, sure, so. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. Plot exists to test characters, and it does a good job of that. That's fair. On the other hand, what can you tell me about Lotta Hart? I mean, she's not a relevant character, right? She surpri- she's a supporting character for a little bit, and I can tell you she's all into UFOs. That, that is true, <laughs> and she's in every single Phoenix oh, Wright she? game. <laughs> well, Tyler, do you want to draw a new character? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I, he's right. She is in all of them. I just can't remember which case in the third game she's in. She's also in later games where they created entirely new assets with entirely new cast of characters. A lot of hearts there for some reason. I, no I wish why. I could remember which case she's in in the third game. On the other hand, she does have a really good name. So I, I all of the names from actually not all of them, but a lot of the names are puns and they're pretty great. And those are all new to the localization. They are, of course, all puns in Japanese because that's how Japan works. But. They came up with new puns for basically every character. But I was going to say, I even think reusing assets like that is actually a strength of the game because it means the characters come back. It means the guy who seems like a joke at the beginning, Harry or Larry, the one that everyone calls Harry because it's funny. He is Dick Gumshoe calls him. He is no um, Mia Mia calls him that too. But she dies. But she also (laughs) that doesn't stop her. (laughs) Hers feels more like it's a legitimate mistake. (laughs) But I think the fact that those characters have to recur makes them feel more important and, like, lets you build on characters that just would have been little gags. I think also it saves time in later cases not having to introduce new characters every time. Yeah. You can reuse the same idea. Because at the very things. least you have at least an understanding of who this character is. I mean, Larry's in every game, too. Yep. Well, although the story they gave him makes a lot more sense because he's one of Phoenix's childhood friends, so... That's why Edgeworth is in every game also. Well, Edgeworth is in every game because he's the shonen rival. Larry's in every game because you need a terrible, terrible witness in at least one case. Oh, have you gone to Godot yet? Yeah, he's the main prosecutor in the third game. Okay, I thought He's your main rival. Yep. The the last case is pretty great because Larry is testifying and when you're playing as Edgeworth and he gives a testimony and Edgeworth is like, there's so many contradictions in there, (laughs) I don't know where to start. 
So we should get into the trial because that's where the meat of the game is. It's really just about looking at witness testimony and trying to figure out what contradicts the evidence you have. You have basically two options, which is to present evidence or to press for more information. Occasionally, you are required to press to advance the story and get more information. Generally speaking, if it gives you the option to press harder, press harder. Yeah, do. There's yeah. like almost never a reason not to. Occasionally, there are dialogue prompts, which are maybe my least favorite thing in the game because the answer is almost always obvious. And when it's not, it feels like a trap. Yeah, whenever the option, or when it gives you the option between not doing something and taking proactive action, always take proactive action. You're Phoenix Wright. There is one exception. Is there? Yes. Okay. In the fifth case of the first game, there's a part where you can get a non-standard game over for taking action when you should not. Oh. I don't remember which which one is what, that. If you present the evidence that has Emma's fingerprint on oh, it. Oh, yeah, before. when it's got the handprint. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's a weird situation. Um, there, far, there is but... another one, I think, in this last case of the second game. There's something similar because that one is a weird, like, outlier. It works great when it comes to, like, the story thing. But as I was telling Jeremy on the way down here, I don't think it works particularly well as a gameplay aspect. Yeah, and I want to get into the way that this game breaks the fourth wall because it does so a lot for its story. But before that, I want to finish talking about the trial mechanics. You have basically a health bar. That anytime you present evidence incorrectly, you take a little bit of damage. I think it's at six segments. Yeah, it's but you either five usually take. I think it's six, but you, but you take two hits every time. Well, it's like six hits. Yeah, like, it's like total. It, it's like bars yeah, for whatever reason, in the first game they're divided like that. Later games would have you take one chunk every so often, but yeah, it's usually two. I think there are a couple of them in later instances or three, but generally you lose two hits per. Yeah, and generally you. As games move on, I don't think this is true in the first one. You, The more dire the case is and the more tense things are, the more you stand to lose if you do things incorrectly. I mean, which makes sense from a video game logic standpoint. But I kind of like how forgiving it actually ends up being. Because I feel like unless you're just brute forcing everything. Now, Zach said he did lose on one of them. But I just vibed with this game enough that I never lost more, more than half my health. And usually it was like, oh, it's either this statement or that other one. And usually I have the coin flip right. And when I didn't, it well, was just a little hit. Some instances are literally, like I said, like you said, uh, you vibed with the game. And I, I had issues where I was like, I literally saw the, like, this is a problem, and it is actually an issue that is in a later, sp- is later yes, spot. that happens a lot. <laughs> that's when I had problems, is when it's like, that's wrong. Like, I can literally point to why it's wrong, but, but the, the game, game doesn't, doesn't want it yet. <laughs> that is, like, the biggest problem, is when the game, when you're like, I can tell why you're lying. You're too smart for the game, is what's happening, and the game doesn't want your advanced logic yet. <laughs> Your advanced European logic. Like, and that's why I said that's the both the genius of the game and the problem of the game are the same. Which is that if you are vibing with it and you're doing it, you feel in the zone and you get all that dopamine from correct puzzle solving. But if you're not vibing with the game and you present the wrong thing, then you just feel frustrated and stuck. What I will say, and maybe it's because I played this game two or three times, I don't know, somewhere in that neighborhood. Like, I just was 100% in in tune with whatever this game's logic was. And I played this game once in like 2005, back when I was in high school. And I also found myself very much vibing with it. That said, I only played the first game in the trilogy. So yeah, I also did. And they, they get more obtuse as they go on. So the last case of the second game is really annoying. Like I said, I wanted to talk about some of the ways they tell story. Because I do think that even though I think the gameplay elements are actually really, really smart. And I'm surprised nothing has cribbed them. Or I guess Danganronpa kind of did. But fewer things have cribbed them. That it is at the heart, I think they're trying to tell a story. And they do a lot of fourth wall breaking, which is actually where my anxiety comes up of, oh no, did I choose the wrong thing? When it's like, guilty. It's like, objection. The story needs to continue, your honor. He had the fail there. (laughs) Uh, I did have a couple of those instances too. Because there are a couple of those where you're like, well, what do I do now? And then the game is like, here's the life preserver. Well, and it turns out that's what had to happen. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's extremely melodramatic in a way that I really like. I will. I love hitting the button, even just for the cross examination, <laughs> just so that he hear him say, "Hold it!" Yes. <laughs> I was not going to transition into this yet, but sound design is incredibly important in video games, and you realize that most when you're playing a platformer, like what was that rabbit one? Ah, oh, 
Blitz Blazinski or Jazz Jackrabbit. Yeah, Jazz Jackrabbit. And you realize how good the Mario coin effect is or the Sonic Ring effect is. Or even just the roller coaster tycoon cha-ching every time someone goes through your gate. There are two times you notice sound designing games, and that's when you know a game is doing it right, is when you don't really notice it. But the two times you notice it is when it's really bad. Yep. Or when it's really, really good. And there's a reason the objection became a meme, because it's very, very good. It's satisfying every time it comes up. And they do a good job. I mean, they knew before they even released the game how good it was, because of how many like random objections there are at dramatic moments from like Miles Edgeworth helping you out by objecting to a thing. I, I love it when you're you're, you're like objection. And, like, and then you're like, the other guy. Of everybody he's like, it wasn't me. wasn't me. And then the me. other guy is like, objection, objection. And I can just picture people being like, it's like a, what's it called? Like a tennis match where people are just watching the ball. <laughs> These guys are objecting at each other. Oh man. I, like, I don't think that's how objections are supposed to work. I have a video to show you guys when we're done recording. Speaking of objections. But this is, I'm sure other games have done this, but I think that happens all the time in movies is they will stop the music for a dramatic moment and you kind of won't notice it. I've never noticed a video game other than Phoenix Wright do that. And the music in Phoenix Wright is also very good. There's a reason that in Marvel vs. Capcom Ultimate, it starts playing the Phoenix Wright theme when he does his ult. Uh, they I'm all sorry. have names. I just immediately had the, had the thought there of the, the justice system in this world is so bonkers. It's not good enough to just get your client off on the not guilty because like there's clearly my client was nowhere near there. No, in order to win, you have to blame somebody else. Yep. You have to, someone has to go down for this crime. You not only have to prove your client innocent, you must find the true culprit in three days or less. Money back guaranteed. <laughs> well, obviously, they're just not paying the police enough. Well, yeah, they keep, keep cutting their salary. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Poor gumshoe. I know at the end of this game, he's making like $2 an hour or something, but he still takes everyone out for dinner. No, he makes you do that. He offers to do that and makes you pay for it. That's how the game ends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, amazing. But yeah, the story, like I said, is surprisingly good. It's very tight. The characters are all very strong. And I think it's a very good at presenting you information and leading you to where the connections are. The problem with recommending this game is either you're going to vibe with it or you're not. And it's very difficult to tell. I mean, I know how certain people's logic works. Of course, Tyler, you are fine with this game. But, <laughs> but we both thought Zach would hate it. And we're wrong. Yep, I'm glad to be wrong about that. Yeah. So I, it's hard to recommend because of the the aforementioned problem and what Jeremy just said. But then I remember it's available on Steam for thirty bucks, and it's so three you, games, not just the game we played. It's Ace Attorney, Justice for All, and is Trials and Tribulations the third? Uh, one? Yeah, it's Trials and Tribulations. The first three Phoenix Wright games are available on Steam for thirty bucks, or Switch if you're a reasonable human and wants to play these games on the go. Uh, but you, also when you, they're on sale, it's usually on sale for like 10 bucks, which is a very good price. That was what I was going to say. If you're interested, you don't have to pay full price for it. It goes on sale pretty regularly. Or I feel like it does. For what it's worth, I've also heard that Rise from the Ashes is the best Phoenix Wright game. Um, like fans of the series all or pretty much overwhelmingly prefer Rise from the Ashes. I've never played it. So is that the new one? Uh, I don't know which one it is. Even I don't even know who the main character is. I think it is a Phoenix game. And I think there are only two games that aren't where Phoenix isn't the main character. The newest one and the Justice for All is that no, Justice for All is the second one. What's Apollo Justice called? I thought it was Justice for no, All. No, Justice for All is the second one. I don't the the one with Apollo. Um. <laughs> I, I think Rise from the Ashes is the other one that's on Steam, and I think it's Phoenix's ancestor. All right, do we have anything else to say about this game? It's going to be weird and hard to rank. I think it's very good, like I said, but the things that make it good like are also what make it bad, which is what's tricky about it. I had a lot of fun with this game. The characters are great. I love Maya. Phoenix is all right. Edgeworth is great. I will also say I think one of some of the things that make this game good are good regardless of whether you're good at puzzle solving. Like the sound design is amazing. The music is really good at any given time. Like they only have like five or six themes and they use them with such impeccable like they always match exactly the beat that they're going for, and like it's impressive what they did with such a limited soundtrack. And the, the thing that kept me coming back to this game is the characters are outstanding. Yeah, Maya's I the best. I love the characters. Gumshoe's in this the best. Game. Edgeworth has a strong arc. I love Edgeworth because he starts out as an enemy, and then by the third game, you're asking him for a favor. Yeah, he's like surprisingly sympathetic um, as 
for being your shonen rival. Because well, at the outset of the game, you're like, oh, he's just a, an asshole. He's forging evidence and all that stuff. But then you kind of learn more, and it's all about Edgeworth just wants justice done, which is why it, at one point he's actually helping you. Yeah, be, and that's actually how the games end up progressing over time, is that Edgeworth becomes your ally more than your enemy, because at the end of the day, you both just want the same thing. You, you want the right person to go down for it. Exactly. All right, so we have a list on our website, www.lastpodcast.com, listing all the games we've played from best to worst. At the very top, we have Chrono Trigger. That's got a pretty decent trial in it. <laughs> it does, actually. At the bottom, we have City Connection, which should be put on trial. And then in the center, we have Tech Mobile. Which is a trial to play. I don't know. It's not, actually. Tech Mobile is fine. Like I said, I feel like things like Secret of Monkey Island are what this game has the most DNA with. But something we didn't even hit on is the game does not let you get stuck. It forces you to find everything in the investigation before you can move on. Which I actually really like the fact that it does that, even though because I kind of spaced it. Because it means you don't go into the trial with missing bits. Because yeah, if you, you can't, if, if there is any bit missing, it will supply it to you as part of the trial, and it's supposed to do that. You can't go into it without having all the pieces you need. Yeah, which is actually one nice thing that you always know in whatever situation you're in, you have all the pieces of the puzzle. You just need to figure out how to put yeah, them together. Whatever piece you're having, you're getting stuck on, you have it. So I think it's better than Secret of Monkey Island. I do too. I agree. This is a weird comparison, but it's a Capcom Game Boy Advance game. How do we think it compares to Mega Man Battle Network 2? I had a lot more fun with this one. I think I prefer... I Like, I had a lot of fun with Battle Network, but I like I think I prefer Phoenix Wright. I think I agree. Okay, this is another off-the-wall sort of game that I think we all really like. How do we think it compares to Pokemon Snap? Huh, I prefer this game to Pokemon Snap, because Pokemon Snap really gets... Especially if you play it consistently. Number one, it's really short. And number two, it really gets into the, all right, I guess I'm going to go back to that spot and look at all the same things again. This is a tough question for me. If it was new Pokemon Snap, this would be a pretty easy answer, I think. Um, I think I agree with Zach. I think I prefer Phoenix Wright, although I think we're getting into the correctish territory. Yeah, now there's just a bunch of stuff that I'm like, I don't want to compare it to this, like... Which is better, Ace Attorney or Tetris? Um. <laughs> a surprisingly hard question. I'd probably have to give it to Ace Attorney. Because... I'd give it to Phoenix. Okay. Uh, that was not a serious question, but I got a but there you go. answer. So. <laughs> I was mostly just like thinking about it out loud. Okay, these games that came out around the same time and they have similar levels of ridiculousness. How do we think it compares to Sonic Adventure 2 Battle? <laughs> I think I like Phoenix Wright more. I think the characters are a lot stronger. Like, I like what they did with them because it's not like in your face with it, specifically Edgeworth's arc. Like they don't hit you over the head with it, but it's pretty clear as the game progresses. And, you know, especially at the end there. Um, so I would definitely give it to Phoenix Wright on mainly the strength of its characters. And it doesn't really hurt that its sound design is top notch. Yeah, it's weird in that it has both extremely subtle characters and also very, very not subtle characters at the same time. Well, pretty much uh, all of your witnesses kind of have to be over the top extreme. I'm a little torn on this, partially because the music in Sonic Adventure Battle is great, um, except for the Knuckles rap. I, th I was going to say, I think the music in Phoenix Wright is great and the music in Sonic Adventure 2 is great. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Sonic Adventure 2 has it. Sorry, colon battle. Um, <laughs> but Sonic Adventure 2 colon battle never has your dead mentor come back to her sister in order to assist you. Yeah, amazing. I am having a hard time with this one, but I think I'm going to give it to Phoenix Wright. Okay. Right above that, we have Mega Man X3, and I have trouble putting Ace Attorney over any of the Mega Man X games. I shouldn't say any, but any of the first three at least. I don't. I'd I put don't. it above it. Yeah, so it's on Tyler. Yeah, it is. X3... Uh, the problem is I like it better than X2, but I think X2 is higher. Yeah, X2 is higher. I think I'm going to have to give it to Phoenix Wright, but very slightly. I don't think it's going above X2 for me, but... Okay, so these games are both cult classics that are a little odd. How do we think it compares to Earthbound? And you guys know Earthbound is my baby, so... And, and also, we don't, I think, get Persona without Earthbound. So for those two reasons, I think I prefer Earthbound. Yeah, but I think on a one-to-one, -one, I prefer Phoenix Wright. Okay, so this is a weird one because it really depends on how long I am yeah. having to play it. Because I prefer Phoenix Wright in shortish bursts, and I think it's great for that. If I'm sitting down a lot longer, it's going to be Earthbound. And I think at the end of the day, I'm going to have to give it to Earthbound. Okay, so the final question, is Ace Attorney better or worse than Pulse Man? 
Interesting. I'm surprised that's so high. Um, that game's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's I'm, a Sega Genesis platformer. I, it's like if you had one specific Mega Man power. I'd have to give it to Phoenix Wright because <laughs> I, um, I can actually remember this game. This Pulse Man was clearly didn't leave an effect on me. That isn't what I'm thinking of. That's the first game by Game Freak. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it's going to have to be Phoenix Wright. Okay. So Ace Attorney goes at number 56 above Pulse Man and below Earthbound. Ooh, just shy of the top 50. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think it was going above KOTOR, which is just out of the top 50. So that was not like a harsh ceiling, but I was pretty sure that was... Yeah, thinking about it, I would be really hard-pressed. As much as I love Phoenix Wright, to put it above KOTOR. We were definitely in the right neighborhood. I, I don't feel bad about that ranking. I think it's mostly a matter of I don't remember all the games that are in the top 50. I would probably remember them if I were to look at it. I was almost hoping you guys would put it above Earthbound. Obviously, I didn't want it to go above it. But just so the final question could be better or worse than Splinter Cell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is a comparison. What are we playing next time, Zach? So I was thinking of, like, what games could I would be available? And also, you know, what, what games have I not played recently that I would like to revisit? I realized it's been a long time since I played Bioshock. Oh, I thought you were going to say NFL Blitz. Um. <laughs> that would also be a good one, but they haven't made a Blitz in years. So, the original Bioshock? The original Bioshock. All right, so next time on Last Time, would you kindly listen to our podcast?